0: we have to find solutions. And again, I think sometimes the ultra processed food has been part of the solution of trying to feed so many people is that we need to grow crops really quickly and we need to figure out how, how to to ha- make that, you know, be able to have a lot of produce available for so many people. We need to choose, choose products that store well, transport well, um, grow quickly. But when we make those choices of choosing crops for those reasons, the downside is that when a plant grows quickly, it doesn't have as much time to take up the minerals from the soil. And the that's the only way that we're going to get those minerals. And they're essential. And there's about 15 essential minerals that we need to consume.
1: Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it.
2: <laughs> I'm getting embarrassed. Okay, I'm going to try and record this podcast intro, um, a slightly different one. I'm uh, I'm teaching today at the time of recording this, and I have um, some students around the room. Oh, can you can you just say your first name? Go see if we can hear it. Who's there? Bishan. Come on, Lucas. Say something. Lucas. Uh, Lucas is uh, 16, but he sounds like 35. And Hey. anyway so got a couple of students um Well, they're not hanging around, we're learning, but uh, we're on break and it's my turn to do uh, my podcast recording. So yeah, look, let me just make this short because I'm buckling under the pressure a little bit, having so many students observing me do my podcast intro. But um, this week I'm speaking with Professor Julia Ruckledge. and Professor Julia Ruckledge oh, just another student walking in the room. Hey, Say hello. Hi. Okay, cool. Now. I'll be back in a sec just doing my podcast intro. Um, Professor Julia Ruckledge is currently in quarantine at the time of recording this podcast. And I don't know why that's relevant. I just wanted to capture that because yeah, there's such a thing as quarantine and and that's kind of dominating our world at the moment, that you can't travel freely in a world that got used to that. So um, it's relevant in some ways, I guess, to me. But Professor ruckledge's um, body of research is in the micronutrients that fuel the body from a cellular level, like the magnesiums, the zincs, the ions, the vitamins that I think... And it probably makes sense that it is this way we've taken for granted as a collective society. It might have been inbuilt into some of our cultural practices that we would always have a fair amount or a adequate amount of nutrients to fuel the mind and for the mind to fuel the body. But we are reaching this crisis point of... The food, in quotation marks, that we are being given or offered, uh, is really lacking in this in this fundamental, you know. In, in this fundamental necessity, which is these micronutrients. And so where Professor Ruckledge's research is exploring and and really diving into is, well, what happens when you don't have enough of these? And the answer, at least as I see it and understand it, is that you can only expect horrible outcomes, you know, um, negative the mood um, effectively the pathways to depression and further so I've become very fascinated with that during my own research into slow breathing techniques etc but this is um, you know I guess one of the things that I've been trying to work out is where does it start where does it start Uh, you know extrapolate that backwards you've got depression you've got anxiety you've got stress we're asking ourselves how do I get out of that but I'm, but maybe the question is why am I even into that and if you're not getting there on purpose meaning you're doing something you don't even know that gets you there then basically that's horrible because you don't even know so for me I think that the conversation around micronutrients is the the big bang if you like that there is nothing outside of the conversation around these these building blocks of life on a cellular level, that when you feel happy that that is a, a, a cellular chemical transaction that's taking place. And I think that's a very logical argument. So it's just about time for me to get back to teaching my students. Uh, this has been, yeah, I'd say out of a 300 podcast, this is the most awkward one. Of having uh, students right here with me, but in some ways, um, a good one and one that I will remember (laughs) awkwardly. Okay, let's get into the podcast with Professor Julia Ruckledge. And um, yeah, back to normal, me hidden away in my room, doing way more expressive intros next week. Okay, thanks, students. Take care. I'm getting a clap. Okay, enjoy the podcast.
1: All the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero Look inside the mirror I find one Oh, carry the hurt when it gets too hard Pick it up, dust it off When I fall down 11, I get up 12 Don't need nobody else Yeah, I can save myself
2: Okay, Julia, I wonder how this podcast will be remembered. I guess I should say, is it okay to say you're in quarantine currently? Of um, course.
1: Yeah, that means fine.
2: something at this time in history, and who knows what it will mean going forward. But mm. uh, you happen to have some time right now, and I'm happy to kind of jump on and capture it. Uh, I kind of did admit to you that, um, and I'm not sure if many people are saying this to you, but I've watched lots of hours of you online. Right and, and I kind of said, you're like a bit of a rock star because and that's a good thing. We are, you know I'm part of this kind of world now of content and there's hours of blah 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 online and it's very refreshing mm-hmm. to to um, hear good ideas. So I guess before I jump into the questions I really have for you, is it okay to just go back a little bit and kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your, your pathway into academia and Mm -hmm. what you wanted to be when you were growing up is, I mean, is that something you talk about often?
0: I think some somewhat in the context of why, how did I end up doing studying nutrition and mental health? Because Mm. that's not an obvious route for a psychologist to end up there. Um, But if I, you know, if you go even further back, you know, when I was certainly in in high school, I started to get really, really interested in um, mental health. I have a mother who struggles seriously with mental health issues. And so I grew up in that environment of, of, I've seen somebody who was really struggling with an anxiety disorder and, and receiving the best care care at the time in the 1980s, 1970s and 1980s, but it certainly uh, shaped my future and shaped who I was, who I am today to watch someone suffer so much and um, that the the things that she was being offered weren't helping her enough to overcome them. So I guess that certainly plays a role in where you end up going and being interested in. And so I did a degree in neurobiology. I, I had a, a, a scholarship from from the government. It was called Canadian Scholar at the time, and it was it was actually. You know, I look back on this and I think, goodness, did that shape my life? That made the decision about doing science, um, because I had to study science and I wanted to do psychology. But at McGill University, where I ended up, psychology was an art, and so I ended up choosing to study something that was as close to psychology as I could. And that was neurobiology. So I ended up doing a neurobiology degree just because I got, I think it was like $2,000. It wasn't a lot of money, but that's, you know, when you're, when you're 18, um, it's the kind of thing you do. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, that does play a role in, in where you're going. And they were trying to encourage, I think, a lot more people to go into science at the time, I guess. So, um, but I, I'm delighted because I, I now draw on that background. And then, um, but then I, I pursued my passion as a graduate student and was lucky enough to get into psychology as a graduate student with no undergraduate in psychology. Not a lot of people know that but you asked um, and so i got into clinical psychology with not having done any of the that background but i i i you know clearly must have been smart enough and did the exams that you have to do to get into graduate school and i and, and, and i yeah go ahead
2: sorry now you carry
0: on i was going to say but my my phd supervisor who chose me because at that point you you know you wrote <laughs> there was none of this email stuff. You you wrote letters to people and said, I'd like you to be, take me on as a graduate student. And I'm guessing that Bonnie Kaplan, who ended up, I, I co-wrote The Better Brain With. I don't know if you, you're you going to talk about that or not. Or, Absolutely. But uh, she, she chose, I know, I think that one of the reasons she chose me as a graduate student was that I didn't have a background in psychology. I think it was, you know, having somebody who came in with a little bit of a different perspective was probably... Um, an attractive feature as a graduate student as opposed to a detractor. So I always tell people you should always, you know, doesn't, you know, sometimes that can be a benefit rather than a a negative (laughs) coming in with something that's a little bit different. Anyway, that's a bit of a long story. So I ended up doing psychology as a clinical psychology and then, um, and then moving to New Zealand in 2000 and got an academic job. I was one of those, uh, you know, when you go through as a clinical psychologist, you have this choice. You can practice as a clinical psychologist or you can go an academic route in Canada anyway because you have to get a PhD to be a clinical psychologist. That's not the case in New Zealand. Um, so I could always go one of those two routes and I, I really enjoyed practicing clinical psychology. But I also have a, like, I, I've got a, a science mind and a, a question, curiosity. Um, my father was an academic Um and so he instilled in me that love of asking questions and, and figuring them out and problem solving. And so I, I, I saw this job in New Zealand and they were looking for somebody who, who you know, to, to, to teach child clinical psychology But part of it was that I was allowed to continue to practice. So it didn't, I didn't have to make that decision. So I came to New Zealand because it was, you know, what a great opportunity um, to be able to do both. I I now don't practice psychology very much anymore. um, But at the time it was really nice to have that be able to do both. um, Especially when I wasn't quite sure where did I sit? What did I want to do with my life? So, um, but I, I love academia now it's a great, I mean, it's a, a great job. I, you know, there are some downsides to it. But overall, the fact that I can study nutrition, um, and that's okay and there's no one saying, what are you doing studying that? That wasn't what you came here to study. It's fine. I mean I'm, I'm, it's, it's encouraged. it's supported by the university environment to go and, you know, pursue interesting questions, even though they're outlandish and they don't, you know support the current way of thinking and they're challenging the current way of thinking. It's that's a good, that's okay in, in academic circles, and we need more of it. There's too much, you know, I think sometimes people are scared to do that kind of leap into an area that's controversial. I can see why, having done it, because it's not been an easy road. There's been a lot of controversy, there's been a lot of pushback on it. Um, I've had a lot of uh, obstacles put in my way, a lot of red tape. Um, but at the same time, I think, God, goodness wow, we've really been able to provide a lot of evidence for uh, supporting the interface between mental health and nutrition because of the research that I've done, not entirely because of my research, but certainly has contributed massively to the international literature. So that's a, what a great opportunity. Great question.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a couple questions to follow up. So your pathway may be in and, you know, paraphrase a little bit was because you were, was it fair to say you were trying to find things that may support your mum? you know, with, uh, you know, um,
0: uh, well, maybe. Yeah, I don't anxiety. know if I was thinking that, I don't know if I was entirely thinking of it that way necessarily. I was just trying to better understand yeah. people who were struggling with mental health, Ill, Ill, okay. health issues and, and why, why did they mm. struggle with mental health issues? What was that yeah. about? Mm. Yeah.
2: Did, did you, did you find your answer? And, and I, and yes, we get to the conversation of nutrition because that's the follow-up is like, how did you land on that as a area to mm. follow? You know, I, I, I don't put, you know, psychology and nutrition together, even though of course the mind and body are connected.
0: Yeah. yeah. So did I, um, I think I probably did when I started to learn about anxiety disorders and what caused them. I think I definitely had a much better understanding of who my mother was and what had happened there. Um, In terms of the nutrition aspect, it wasn't specifically that I, I... wanted to know more about food and in fact you know pe- people may not uh, you know again not a lot of your listeners will know that my husband is the one who does most of the cooking in my house so um you, and and that works well and there's a history to that about you know it's just made made more sense for him to be doing that versus um, me doing it just because of how our lives are and our children and you know, just the complexity of, of, uh, of, of, of our lives. So, um, so that it's somewhat ironic that I've ended up writing, not only a book, but it's also got recipes in there. We did hire a chef to help us with those recipes. So I, I feel okay about having them in there, but it is uh, somewhat um, ironic that that's how what's happened in my life, but really when it comes down to it was that, it wasn't long after I finished my training that I was, it was starkly realizing that not enough people are getting well with our current treatments, and my mother is simply one case example. I don't, you know, that that's just one of of thousands and thousands of people out there who are put on medications, and they don't resolve the problem sufficiently. And so it wasn't that I was, I, I that I thought nutrition was the answer. I now think, now I better understand it. And I'd say, of course, you should study nutrition. But at the time, it was simply that there were families from Southern Alberta, Canada, where I did my PhD, who had approached Bonnie Kaplan to, and said, we've been resolving really serious mental health issues in our family members and in our community with minerals and vitamins. And you know, she initially thought this was just a snake oil kind of treatment. But what Bonnie model to me and what I'd certainly been modeled to me in my upbringing with a science, you know, father who was a scientist was you can't, you, you've got to, you've got to, you know, follow, you know, things like that. Even if they, even if they're, they, they seem outlandish, they, there might be something to it, or you might find that it doesn't work in which case you've put it to the scientific test and you've concluded that in fact, these treatments don't work, but in you know but if we do find they work well then you'd think that the public would care and you'd think that the government would care well so far the government hasn't quite shown their level of interest that, enthusiasm that I'd like to see um but one can only be hopeful but certainly the public has shown an interest in this mm-hmm. and in this idea and I know you know and I I base that based on how many people have watched my TEDx talk? It's like 1.8 million people. There, there must be an interest there. And the number of emails I get, I get them every day. You know, day. Th- I've had thousands and th- tens of hundreds of thousands probably over the last decade from members of the public. So clearly I'm onto, onto something in that I have been upfront and honest about saying our current treatments aren't helping enough people. And mm. not enough people are honest about that. And I wish they were. I wish mm. we were. We're, we were upfront about, well, what do the data actually say about how well you do on antidepressants and how well you do long-term on antidepressants? Because after all, we don't put them on for six weeks, which is what a clinical trial is. We're putting them on people on these drugs for years and years. So mm. at least we have, the, we have the responsibility to to tell the public how well overall people are doing on these drugs. Mm. And I have to say, overall, there are some amazing stories of people doing well in them, but not enough people are getting well. That's right. So,
2: It's the tricky part of this conversation because, you know, it gets very quickly into details and then the details part, well, then you can quickly say, not you, but we can quickly say it's, it's, we're all different. You know, there's different variables. We have different upbringings, but I still think that's not the end of the conversation because. We all agree we need to do something and something about what well something about trying to be happy or find meaning or at least not mm-hmm. suffer as much as we could because i think it's pretty clear that well less than you know the western world it seems that <laughs> how can you have so much but be you know unhappy and so mm-hmm. i've been kind of thinking about this for a while and I don't know if it's just because I'm trained in like storytelling or, you know, I do a lot of kind of video work and I'm, I think about stories that like has a beginning and a middle and an end, right? And so mm-hmm. I feel like we forget that and that's a pretty obvious online when you might jump into the middle of someone's story and you don't know the beginning and end. So when I think about health, I'm like, what's the beginning? And the first time I came across, you know, some of your work, I'm like, for me, it metaphorically, like a uh, micronutrients would be an awesome beginning because there's nothing before that, you know, those mm. are the chemicals that create all the other stuff. You know, I remember when I was young, people saying, you know, well, there's a chemical imbalance and different people or chemicals. And I'm like, what do you mean? But when I thought about it with micronutrients um, and maybe for people who are just kind of joining me on this podcast, is it fair to say micronutrients, other things we don't talk about much in society. We talk about the macronutrients. <laughs> is that right? The carbs, the fats, the proteins, yeah. mm-hmm. micronutrients are what those underlying Miner-
0: minerals and vitamins Ooh. for the most part. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you hit it on the, the head there, which is that uh, for whatever reason uh, we do focus on our, we think about our food within the context of those fats and carbs and proteins. And that has been sort of the speak of, from dietitians and from mm. nutritionists and governments is to focus on that balance of carbs, fats, and proteins. And some of them may well include foods that are very rich in micronutrients, but that's never talked about. It's not, you know, you're told to eat your vegetables and your fruit because they're nourishing for you. But the conversation seems to stop there. It doesn't go to the point of, they actually are what contain a lot of those minerals and vitamins that your brain needs to function. And so our brain is a, a lot about chemical activity. And there's a constant activity going on every second of your life that you're living. And what's happening in your brain is that, you know, you're, you've are you got, you know, chemicals are coming together and reacting and then setting apart. And, and that process makes some things that are really useful for brain function like neurotransmitters or enzymes or hormones, these things that we've heard about that we're familiar with, but you don't eat a neurotransmitter. Your brain has to make the neurotransmitter. And so you have to, but it, it has to come from your food. There's nowhere else that it can come from. So it's your what you eat is going to provide those Nutrients that your brain needs to make those example neurotransmitters, so like serotonin. Um, so what people don't know, and what hasn't been part of our story, uh, is that the to, the brain needs vitamins and minerals. They act as like cofactors. They help the enzymes in their in in converting one chemical to another, to another to another, and eventually making serotonin. So they, if you don't have those vitamins and minerals, then that's going to compromise that uh, those enzymatic reactions that are happening. So it's, um, you know, once you start to understand that, and I, that's certainly not what I understood when I first did the research on vitamins and minerals, I just was out to say, let's explore this as an idea of giving people vitamins and minerals and see what happens to their mental health. I, it's almost like I did the st- st- the science first and then was like, oh, people got, well, using those vitamins and minerals, I guess we better under, better understand about what's going on. It's already we already knew it. It's not like I just needed to, I needed to engage in the science at that point. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot of what's happening. And that we've lost sight of that. And I think the food industry has has a part to play in that because it's not to their advantage for us to highlight vitamins and mineral content of food because ultra-processed food doesn't have vitamins and minerals in it to a very great extent. And I've looked at this across lots of different ultra-processed foods. And so that, so therefore, why would they focus on the micronutrient content of their food? Because they'd have to put a bunch of zeros beside every one of those micronutrients, except for the ones they fortify you know, with a few B vitamins or maybe zinc or iron, a few things that have been identified as being essential, but it's the wrong message to be looking for that special nutrient. They're all needed. We need them all. And so I <laughs> we really need to move that story away from looking for that magic bullet because I don't think it exists. Mm. Not for them. Doesn't not for it's, complex illness.
2: And it's definitely, you know, it's been tricky to try and, you know, uh, no, you know, the thing with a magic bullet story is that you can kind of imagine what you need to, it can be whatever it needs to be. And with this one, I find it really hard to get away from a, it's the idea of a supplement. Cause I've heard you talk about food first, but then you have the issue of, I've also heard you say that 69% of the food is ultra processed. So what do you do when you're in the supermarket? And yes, it's like, well, maybe I'll, I'll run another idea past you. I was trying to, you know, think about this. And if you're, let's say, um, micronutrient, uh, what would be the correct terminology? Like deficient? Like have lo- low micronutrients? Deficient, yep, yep. Would, would you That's look at That's better than a, an imbalance. Right, right. Like, so just low, you know, you're running low in the, in the yep. building blocks. Would a picture of a Big Mac look delicious to your brain because it has a variety of colors and it like for you subconsciously, Someone running at a micronutrient deficiency. (laughs) I wonder if that's the genius of marketing. That looks healthy to your brain. Until yeah. you eat it, and you're not getting any of it, or you need to eat so much to scrab, just grab any
1: of the time. Yeah,
0: tiny- mm. I know. I mean, that's an area that's not my area of expertise around how right. do you convince the population to eat crap food? Wow, they're pretty clever. They put things in there that's addictive, and so right. there, you know, there's there's there are things that are in there that our brain likes in the short term but don't survive and they're not mm-hmm. sufficient um, but somehow you know that clearly you know this is this is the expertise of the food industry is to find things that are going to you're going to get hooked on and we are we're hooked on them and we're hooked mm-hmm. on them i think now unfortunately from the beginning, from day zero, because our moms are eating these foods during pregnancy, and so that can take, that can affect the taste buds of that child when they come out of what kinds of foods they're going to like or dislike. So, yeah, there's we've done uh, you know this has been an, intri- in, an intriguing perhaps that's not the best word social experiment over the last hundred years where we've we've changed our diet so radically and dramatically relative to our ancestors. And the damage is, is clear. The damage is done. Uh, We're, you know, we, we know that from the numbers of people who are struggling with chronic health issues, not just mental health issues, but, you know, all kinds of other health issues that are, are rampant in our Western society. Mm -hmm. And, and there isn't, you know, I always say there's not a single study out there that's shown that the Western diet is being good for our mental or physical health. And yet, that doesn't seem to, to phase anyone. Surprisingly, it doesn't seem to kind of make people kind of go, Oh, really? Maybe I should change what I eat. Mm -hmm. Seems pretty obvious thing to me. But as you say, we've been, we've been, um, really lured into eating these foods and we've been tricked into it. And our brains have been tricked into desiring those foods. Um, and we have to now fight against that norm and and go back to what our ancestors knew to be real nutrient nutrient dense food and you know start eating that traditional food again i mean think about you know from your culture mm. cook island culture mm. you 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 know think about the foods that would be traditional for in where you're originally from Mm. And what you're, what you're exposed to now, I suspect there's quite a big change and difference. And has it been a good change?
2: Oh, n- n- no. And on top of that, when my mum came to New Zealand when she was six, they didn't have lots of food. So the first thing they did is they thought our kids are never going to be hungry, you know, and I was one of them. So she just shoveled this Western diet into my mouth thinking that was the miracle of life, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: And yeah. so at some point they won, but they lost in some, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a tricky one because it is that cycle and, and, you know, I guess,
0: yeah. mm, Mm. But it also that it offered a lot of solutions that looked Mm. great, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking of the revolutions of, you know, mothers going to work now, it certainly makes it easier to know you could just stick something in the microwave or eat something really quickly and cook it really quickly Mm. um, and not have that potential guilt associated with providing those foods because you think they're healthy. So you can see how it, you know, these things piece together that it was they these foods did provide a solution at a time when you know we were urbanizing and we you know cities were growing and more people were going out into the workforce et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. so there's other a lot of social determinants to this as well that happened and so now we have to kind of you know as with any error error in human history you hope at some point we'll stop and go well that was a really bad mistake. Can we start to undo that? But it's short, sure is like a Titanic and it's going to take a lot of effort to undo all the harm we've caused. Mm. And so this is just one of the things that we've done completely kind of messed up on was changing our food environment so dramatically in such a short period of time.
2: Absolutely. Julia, do you, I don't know if you can even answer this. Are you hopeful? You know, like is the... When you talk about 70% of the food being ultra processed, that's quite a statement. I know Not you saying that, but 70% against anything is pretty bad odds. So you're mm. like 30% to get it right. And I mean, that's without the rest of life leaning on you.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, even if it was 50, 50, it would be a gamble, you know, a true gamble. Mm. So um you know, maybe if there's a professor hit that can just be you know, held to the <laughs> and, side and they for put a second. The, and they
0: often put the good food. You have to walk all the way through the ultra process section mm. to get there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the that's... milk is right at the back. And it's like, <laughs> how many people walk in and just need milk? right? But mm. they have to walk all the way through to the back. And what yeah. happens in that journey? Oh, they get the specials. They're being put in front of you Buy this two mm. for one, you know, mm. mm. yeah, you know, reduced or whatever. And you throw a bunch of packets of biscuits and other crap pop drinks in, the, in there at the same time. So sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. No, 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 no. But, but question.
2: yeah. Is it, uh, is it hard to kind of know this you know, cause a lot of people, most of us will go through without knowing that, that we'll just feel the mm. outcome. What mm. pressure is there on you to carry that? You know, it's like,
1: whew.
0: yeah, well, I guess it is. I mean, I, 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 Appreciate you acknowledge, you know, recognizing that is there is quite a bit of. I don't know if it's pressure per se, because I always think that once I've shared it with someone else, then they, I'm sharing the load with them as well, and that they need to also then take responsibility with the for the outcome. So if I do a talk with a thousand people, then I hope that I influence some of them to carry the message because I cannot, cannot, cannot do this alone nor am I alone. I mean, there's some wonderful people in New Zealand and internationally who have the exact same thing to say. Um, And that's so, so I, I certainly align with a lot of other people, but there are very few of us. And so it is sometimes a burden, but I can only be hopeful in that based on the number of people who contact me, that enough people are waking up to the disaster and they may not necessarily know what the solution is, but they know that how they're living their life right now isn't working very well for them. And so then they start doing searches. And I don't know what happens when you do a search and how come my name comes up. No idea. Might be because I have an original name. Like if it were well, not original, but a very unique name, there isn't another Julia Recklage out there. So I guess I was fortunate to to have a somewhat different name that that it, maybe it gets a big, bigger, better hit. I don't know. No idea. <laughs> That's, mm. Those, um, those analytics work, uh, but somehow they, sometimes I guess they, they come across this work and, and I put so much effort into making sure that I, you know, that the science we're, we're up, I'm always up front about what the results mean. We're not curing everyone. I'm not, you know, making promises. Hopefully, that can't be fulfilled. I'm honest about what we found. I'm honest about the limitations. I'm honest about, you know, who it may not work for, who it may work for, the percentage of people who benefit from this approach. I put all of that out there and really try to make sure that I'm not, I'm not um, cherry coding. What's it? Chocolate? What's not cherry coding? That's not cherry right. Cherry picking.
2: Is it cherry, cherry picking? picking? Not yeah. putting
0: two, two <laughs> things together. Anyway, two different phrases together. It's not cherry picking. Yeah, I suppose it is a bit of cherry picking, but also, um, I'm coding it. <laughs> I don't. Sorry, it's the end of the day. <laughs> I can't think of what the word is I'm looking for. Um, and that I'm I I'm I'm. Providing it the way I would want to hear the the the, the information, mm-hmm. and it always makes me grumpy when science is distilled down to such a simple message that it's now wrong, and mm-hmm. that's not doing anybody any good. And I I know that's happening right now, um, within our COVID environment. Uh, you, I I think the messages need to be clear, but they also need to be uh, accurate. And Mm. that doesn't always seem to happen. We seem to have this kind of black and white perspective, which I don't think really helps. And so maybe people come into it thinking that I'm going to be saying this is the miracle cure. Well, it's not. It's not a miracle cure. It's just one of the many, you know, many things that you could take charge of that could hopefully have a positive influence on your journey.
2: Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, and quite an empowering one too. Like I won't kind of go into the details, but since kind of, um, you know, following a bit of your work actively trying to, you know, lower the amount of ultra processed food, because I'm understanding what mm. the story is happening when I'm yeah. shoveling things in my mouth and, mm. and actually mm-hmm. um, quite, you know, very empowering actually, because there's a lot we can't control. <laughs> and I like the mm-hmm. idea that you can at least attempt to control that. Um Talking yeah. about cherries and coating, is it sugar coating? Maybe that's... that's sugar, a, yeah. That's, that's a, it. Yeah, sugar. sugar And that's coating. interesting because you literally sugar coat <laughs> things to make it taste better and it's not good for you. But exactly. anyway, right. too much yep. with the metaphors. Must well. be but, why I
0: couldn't remember it. <laughs> yeah,
2: no sugar. sugar. <laughs> um, would it, the, the cherry, if we just take that example, one of the things I've been wondering is you go to the supermarket or you know, you you find your vegetables and, mm. and are they even is that even enough? Like the way vegetables are growing on mass, are we going to be eating vegetables that are full of these micronutrients? Do we have to eat double the amount? And I'm not going into specifics, Mm. but I think you understand that my general question is. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's a good question. And one that is unfortunately part of the story and why supplementation um, may May be necessary for some people, yeah. and the, and this is part of the story explaining it for people mm. to understand, is that um, we, you know, we have a lot of mouths to feed on the planet. I don't know what number is it nine billion
2: something. It? Yeah, oh, something. That it's a man. lot.
0: A lot of people. Mm. When you kind of reflect mm. on that, and you kind of think how many were around when I was born fifty mm. years ago, it's gone up a lot, and so. We have to find solutions, and again, I think sometimes the ultra-processed food is being part of the solution of trying to feed so many people. Is that we need to grow crops really quickly, and we need to figure out how how to to ha- make that you know be able to have a lot of produce available for so many people. We need to choose choose products that store well, transport well, um, grow quickly. But when we make those choices of choosing crops for those reasons, the downside is that when a plant grows quickly, it doesn't have as much time to take up the minerals from the soil. And the that's the only way that we're going to get those minerals and they're essential. And there's about 15 essential minerals that we need to consume. And that's your zinc, your magnesium, your copper, et cetera. So the, the only place it comes from is the soil. The plants don't make the minerals. The plants make the vitamins when they have the minerals. We don't make minerals. We make some vitamins like vitamin D and a few B vitamins could be made by the bacteria in your microbiome, but for the most part we have to eat them. So if the plants aren't taking the minerals up to the right, you know, same rate as they used to be, then your the mineral density of your plant is going to be compromised. And and then we do things like we, we don't remineralize the soil adequately because we're having to constantly do things so quickly and turn it around so quickly, the crops. So the downside of that is that the crops look good. Um, they often, I, I mean, the number of times where I've gotten a peach from a supermarket and thought that peach looks really good, it's not ripe. And then by the time it rips, it rots. You mm-hmm. ever had that happen? You mm-hmm. think, how did that happen? but you buy it from a farmer's market and you don't have that happen. So what is it they're doing to them to make them look pretty? I want to buy it, but then by the time it ripens, it's no longer an edible fruit. Mm. Ah, you know, how did we end up here? So I don't buy the peaches from the supermarket anymore because of that. Um, And so that's, that's, that's something that a lot of people don't know is that our, our food is the apple of today or peach of today is not, the peach that our grandmother ate. And that's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. And so you combine. So even if you do eat well, which is is going in the right direction, because even if you're shifting from ultra processed, one thing that you're doing when you move from ultra processed food to real food is it then you're not consuming all those, you know, the colors and the preservatives and the emulsifiers and all the things that are being added to that food to make it taste better and to fool your brain into thinking it's going to be good for you. So you're getting rid of all of those E things that are, you know, the numbers on the on the labels that aren't food. They're not nutrient. They have no p- benefit for life. So. You, at least you're going to do some good by taking those things out of your your diet, mm. um, but you can't as much control as much that nutrient density unless you grow your food or you get into the farmers the you know and that's happening more and more in the community gardens which is fantastic, um, or you you apply your own fertilizer and so you have a bit more control over the environment that the plants are grown on, so that means that people who are vulnerable to to um, mental illness, and one thing I we wonder about is that they have um, their, for they they've got genetic differences that affect their brain metabolism. That's where you know that's an intriguing idea. We still need to study it, but it sort of it certainly makes sense from from where I sit. And so, therefore, that means that you need more of those cofactors to help support those enzymatic reactions, and so those cofactors are vitamins and minerals. So if you increase your intake of vitamins and minerals, then you can support those enzymatic reactions to go more quickly. And then you can end up making the things that your brain needs to function like serotonin and dopamine. So it's a, you know, that, and we've got a little bit of data to sort of support that hypothesis, but we certainly need to go a lot, a lot further in, in exploring that idea. Um, but it, it means that some people may need more. And I've certainly have seen and need to supplement and, you know, and and give t- take in more minerals and vitamins and and not your supermarket kind of mineral and vitamin. We're giving people it uh, this the nutrients at a much higher dose than your supermarket variety kind of one a day gummy bear. Just yeah. so your listeners don't think they <laughs> going out and buying one of those is going to solve all of their problems.
1: Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. So. Where is that going with that? So some people, yeah, may need more, and that in order to support that, you know, what's happening in 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 terms of that metabolic activity that's happening, it might be other things might be going on their gut health, or they're going through a lot of stress. Our stress, we you know we're under such a lot of stress. I don't think any more than our ancestors, to be honest, but we, you know, we we live in very stressful environments, and this fight flight response is what I like to call a, you know, it's a, it's hungry. It's uh, it, it takes, it, it trumps all other bodily functions because it's all about survival. And so of course your body's going to, what, what you can call triage, all of the nutrients to support the fight flight response mm-hmm. at the expense of everything else at the expense of regulation of your sleep and your mood and your anxiety and all of that. So, uh, You know, many of us are under stress or under, you know, certain life stages. You know, pregnancy or teenagers or, you know, growing old reduces our ability to absorb the nutrients out of our food, even if we're eating well. So I've seen lots of people who eat well who don't get their achieve full um, optimal mental health until they supplement. It doesn't have to be everyone. And as you said earlier, I always advocate for food first because so many of the calories are coming from that ultra processed crap. Yeah. Um, that that's really, really has to be the key message first is that our research shows that for whatever reason, people are not getting enough nutrients out of the diet. Let's solve that first with food, not mm. supplement the whole world. And Absolutely. in those cases where they might need more then they can supplement.
2: Um, I th- is the challenge a little bit that, we talk, for, we talk about food and scale, you know, supermarkets, everything for everybody, but this is like a bit of an individual journey. And, you know, I guess it's that tricky bit, Julia, like, well, where are some baselines that, you know, because we are asked on an individual and giant level, how do you feel? you know, so we have to have some responsibility of what to do. And I think that's the tricky bit is when people come across, you know, your work and others, it's like, okay, great. I'm listening to this stuff. What can I do? You know? And that is the kind of question. And so, so what, what are we looking for? Is there a way that we can measure ourselves apart from just our feelings, you know, because from listening to you and and actually doing a little bit of looking around, and you you just said it the fight or flight response it's hungry and so you know if you're stressed more you're using a bit more and so can i go down and get my multivitamin and think i'm doing well or is this maybe part of the long-term plan where you can find measurable ways to check in with yourself to see how you're doing chemically
0: yeah oh chemically i see i okay um nutritionally, nutrient chemically is what you mean.
2: And I mean for everyday people. I don't mean people who have yeah. access to well, maybe you can do a test somehow or
0: mm. or you whether know, you need. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I don't think we have the answer. We, I don't think the science is there yet. I mean, I'm I've done I've certainly looked at this uh, this issue. I think of what you're raising of. Can I get my nutrients checked in order to see whether or not I'm deficient in certain nutrients and the answer is we're not. There's there are people who say you can get tested. You could test your hair for your minerals, um, and you can, or you could test your microbiome and and see what's happening in there. And you can do serum tests of your of your nutrients, but when you're doing a serum test, that's measuring the nutrients in your blood, not what your brain needs, and um, they're based on averages and. My my needs of zinc may be different from your needs of zinc. So I could look like I'm average on zinc, but that doesn't mean that it's the amount that I need. So it's a tricky one to answer, which is why I'm not a big fan of getting your nutrients tested. I don't because I don't think we're there at being able to to say based on this profile you need x y and z and unfortunately a lot of this there's we don't ever test for the full array of those essential in, nutrients mm. you'll test for some of them and so oftentimes you'll get this kind of a you know your favorite few given to you like maybe a little bit of zinc a little bit of magnesium but it's not covering the full array so i personally think that there's not as there's well i personally it's based on science there hasn't been a study that has shown that that personalized approach is superior to what's what we do which is just give your full array of nutrients and see how you go until that study is done and it's not that i'm i've incur- tried to get people practitioners interested in doing that and so far i haven't had anyone interested in 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 going down that route for a phd but i you know i i almost had someone get doing that. And it felt that didn't go through, Mm. but until you actually have that, why would you spend all that money on the testing, getting those individualized treatments when you could do well with just a broad spectrum approach, which is what we've studied and other people have studied, and there's no magic in there. It's just the Mm. full array of nutrients. And, you know, we know that if you're deficient in one nutrient, chances are really good that you're deficient in another one. And so you might be able to detect one deficiency in your blood, some, some nutrients you won't def- detect deficiency until you're almost dead. So because of homeostasis and you're, 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 you're gonna draw that nutrient out of your know, bones, for example, in order to be at a, a, a certain level within your blood. Mm-hmm. So some of those tests don't even aren't even gonna be helpful for identifying deficiency. So, yeah. and I know there's there's maybe more sophisticated things that can be done, uh, but I guess I'm just a realist, which is that well, first of all, there's not enough practitioners out there who do that kind of work. You might be able to help a handful, um, but there's you know there's maybe a few hundred in New Zealand. We've got mm-hmm. a population of a, about a million who are struggling with a mental health issue. They they can't meet the de- the demand. So let's try something that might be a bit simple. A simpler approach, yes, and being
2: practical. That's the tricky bit because then we can't give a definitive. So maybe I'll try to go the other way. If you don't eat ultra processed, Mm -hmm. you will be at least influencing the amount of micronutrients you get by having more whole food, and that is a better logical argument to someone just saying do it because it's healthier. Because I think it's not tastier sometimes. You know, that's the reality compared to sugar. And so you're yes. fighting the addiction. Yep. And I think to fight the addiction, you have to
0: have a real logical
2: answer yep. as to yep. why I'm putting the donut down, because I wouldn't be getting my micronutrient out of it, mm-hmm. or I'd have to eat too yep. much. And then that's horrible in other ways. And yep. I need my micronutrient. Otherwise the body can't actually do what do it's it supposed in- to do. Exactly. To, and to, to yeah. yeah.
0: And I I hope that's enough of a rationale for some people. And that's why we wrote the book was that we Mm. wanted the public. It's written in a, I have it right here. It's going to come up, I think, reversed. I'm never quite sure. It always looks (laughs) reversed. Oh, there we go. But it looks reversed from where I am, the better brain. Um, And we wrote it because we wanted the public to have a go-to that explained why you should care about what you're putting in your mouth every day and why you needed to be interested in that micronutrient content. So we walked through this, you know, what I've described already about the soil and the plants and mm-hmm. how they grow and where you get these nutrients from and, and you know, and some of the individual things that might compromise your ability to use the nutrients that you consume. And then we go through all the dietary studies that have been done internationally, just showing that the more you eat crap food, the, the poorer your mental health and the prospective studies. And then the, the clinical trials that have been done on, food, you know, manipulating diet and then, and then our own studies and all the, and some bunch of case studies to really bring it alive of people who, who have done so have had such life transforming experiences just with nutrients. Um, and then we give, you know, the, 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 the diet, the, the dietary advice around and simple, not complicated, simple, mm. don't eat crap food. <laughs> mm. It's not complicated. And, and, you know, we do talk a little bit about specialized diets. The research isn't there yet to be able to say you should definitely do one, or, you know, a keto or vegetarian or um, although that's probably going to change in the, perhaps in the next few years and we'll have better direction. But at the moment, Mediterranean style diet um, and we give some recipes and then we give you the information about all the supplements, you know, cause people want to know, well, what supplement has been studied? And so we provide all of that information in there about what supplements have got research to back them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then people can, then that can empower them to make a decisions about where to go forward. And, and just, you know, I know we were talking about it earlier, but just to sort of reemphasize is that I don't make any money out of the sale of any of the supplements. Mm, I make, um, you know, I'm selling an idea that nutrition is relevant to your brain. That's what I'm selling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, hasn't really, well, I don't think it's been done effectively. It's clearly not because, because people (laughs) aren't tying it to the outcome, which is, you know, at its most sadness, you know, or or we're just not listening to, is it fair, Julia, that, the signal is the depression saying, Hey, something's not happening exactly. here.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, okay. And the, right. and that's that some, I'm doing something. I, I'm not, it is a signal. I love that mm. way of thinking about it. Johan, i um, trying to remember his last name, wrote it in his, oh, I can't even remember what's his book. Johan. Anyway, mm. it was on depression mm. um, wrote about it in terms of the depression being your signal of, i maybe I'm not socially connected enough or, and he was thinking about it, in that context, it's something I'm not doing something to really fully flourish. Mm. So it was a signal to say, I've got to make some changes in my life. And so I would say, well, it could also be a signal that you're not nourishing yourself adequately, that your nutritional environment isn't sufficient to support your brain. And so no wonder it's screaming out and you're exhausted and you're feeling hopeless and worthless and, you know, you know, just no motivation and all of the other things that can go along with, with depression. Mm. It is a signal. And I think it's a good way to think about it. It's a signal and that I need to do something to change absolutely. my environment.
2: We just totally don't think about it like that. Eh? It's more like a, it's... Yeah, it's something you have rather than a signal, which is hopefully hmm, yeah, changing. Yeah, but I that's mean,
0: because of yeah. the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, yeah. gosh, they did yeah. well. <laughs> They've yeah, you know, absolutely. clever marketing to make us think that we just have this disorder that mm. where there's no explanation whatsoever from our environment that it was all genetic and this was going to happen anyway. I mean, what just? I mean, what a I, I, you know, just a just devastation they've left in their wake. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um in my opinion.
2: Um I don't know if it will kind of come across. We're coming to the end because I'm aware, you know, end of the day stuff. But uh there's a I really like Superman when I was growing up and sometimes I'll think about quotes from that movie and Clark Kent comes in the office and Lois says to him, you know, he's a bit different. He, she says, any more at home like you. Um, I'll ask this back to you: is, is there other people out there that we should be following, like you, who are doing interesting study? You know, who are some who are some people we can Google and watch a few of their talks?
0: That's a good question. Who 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 are the heroes out there? There's a lot yeah. of heroes. The emerging
2: um, Avengers.
0: <laughs> yeah, who are they? Well, I mean, I think we have some local people who I, I certainly certainly. Um, are, are doing a, a great things like Boyd is doing great work in the university of Auckland and, and sort of saying the same thing uh, around, we, you know, the nutritional environment and needed to eat, stop eating ultra processed food, but he's doing it from the perspective of, of obesity and, and diabetes as opposed to mental health. But it, we're saying mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Um, I, I think Grant Schofield's doing fantastic work at the, also at AUT um, around, You know, just again collecting the data, providing the evidence about whether or not specific diets can have an influence on your, you know, overall physical health. So that I think that's, you know, that sort of aligns with, with what I've been doing as well. There's people um, internationally who are doing great work uh, challenging the status quo. Felice Jackas certainly has done a a, at Deakin has done a lot of work on the dietary patterns and challenging that that worldview. Um uh, there's yeah well there's people like um Tim Spector has done amazing interesting work on looking at genetics and or epigenetics uh in London. Uh, is that enough?
2: Yeah absolutely <laughs> well a lot look, of
0: great well, heroes out there.
2: I don't know if there's another word for breadcrumbs, but that's what I try and do here. You know it's like mm-hmm. uh we just have some breadcrumbs. So if people feel like Googling, maybe you'll Google something that, cause you know, there's a lot of luck to it. And I don't, you described your journey through your mentor and like my journey through study is with Grant Schofield. And it's only because of this podcast where we talk and, then I caught up with him offline and I was telling him about the breathing stuff. I'm interested in. He's like, great, let's, let's do something together. And I'm like, really, I don't want to go back and do my masters, but that's what's happening now. And right. I'm scared of it. It's hard, but I'll keep at it. And so this is my little way of trying to, you know, I've got all your papers here and I'm trying to make my way through them, but I, I can just come and talk to you. So that's what I'm yeah. doing.
0: <laughs> no, you should, you should honestly just read the book. It's all in there and we've, oh, you can't see it. um, it's all in there. Uh, in a in such an easy digestible way honestly awesome. it's a good place to it's a good place to go or else the other thing that you can recommend like I can recommend to your your listeners is my MOOC which is a you know a MOOC mass open I I don't know mass I don't know online open access course that I developed um a, Last late last year, and it's free on EdX platform, and it's 29 videos. And I had Mickey Willenden come and do a couple of them with me, and I had a chef come and uh, do some cooking lessons, and I had Bonnie Kaplan come on, and I had Ian Shaw, who's a toxicologist, come on. And so I got a bunch of guests, and so it was a lot of fun. And there, and we had a um, a company help again make sure that we didn't speak too much like academics which can Mm. unfortunately happen and so that it's totally accessible to the public we've had sixteen thousand people already enroll Mm -hmm. and there's another one starting in august and and i've gotten great feedback from people saying it's just been really accessible and understandable and that they've really enjoyed it and it just walks you through why you should care about your food. And it's just basically what we've talked about today It's what's in the book, but it's just in, as a video format
1: and mm. they're short
0: videos, you know, five, seven minutes They're, You know, so, and you just walk your, it takes about six weeks to go through the whole, the whole mod, you know, if you want to do it from beginning to end, or you can just dip in and do whatever you want, but it's, if you want a certificate, you can get a certificate in mental health and nutrition. Um, and you, you pay, I don't know, 150 mm. us dollars. You might be able to get on that a deal somewhere maybe. awesome <laughs> so, so but that's a great resource um for people wanting to know more about it as mm-hmm. well so um, cool and people want to learn more yeah
2: absolutely and is there a place where people can follow your work if they're curious about you know um well sure part of this bigger conversation
0: yeah no i mean i i do uh a lot we do a lot of posts from my lab on Facebook and that's easy to find Julia Recklage and then it's the it's it's the one that has mental health and nutrition attached to it um or on Twitter I'm Julia Recklage not hard to find um or on Instagram can't remember what that one is but it's not people seem to find me so (laughs) it doesn't seem that hard I think that one might be called mental health and nutrition or something but uh I think if you just stick my name in it probably helps it probably find it uh What else do I do? LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, you know, all the social media platforms try to keep at least if, if something new happens in the lab or recruiting or a paper comes out, we always post it on social media. Awesome. Probably the best place to go
2: cool well look um thanks for answering my email you know i'm more surprised when people i know who are busy <laughs> make time so it's it's really cool and it's um it is really cool uh but we'll wrap it here julia thank you okay. and look can we keep in touch can Absolutely. um as the story develops maybe we can talk through this some more and i'm sure you'll do it for lots of others but um for now thank you so much you're
0: very
1: welcome i could crumble into pieces but i got a million reasons why i will Cause this heavy as a season and the sun is always right behind the storm.